0: Good morning. Yes, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm so honored to be here. Honored. Thank you, Pastor Pat. I honor you in this house. And I am a son of Bethesda. I spent 47 years in this church. And um, 25 years on staff. And to be here today, uh, to be able to share in this time to honor Brother Murray is really uh, an honor to us. So on behalf of my wife, Rhea, who came with me this time, woohoo. Yes. And, um, and myself, thank you so much. Bless you, brother Murray. We love you. I don't know where he went. Oh, I thought you were already in the dining room getting something to eat. I couldn't see you. All right. <laughs> but yes, we are honored to be here. Um, I'm not going to take a lot of time updating you on us. Uh, for those of you that don't know, we are uh, my wife and I are pastoring in Batesville, Indiana. And if you uh, want to know what Batesville has to do with, uh, one of the greatest things there is the Batesville Casket Company that you see the truck pull up over here all the time. At the funeral home, there's a factory where we're at and Hill Rom. If you go in the hospitals, you'll see Hill everywhere on the hospital beds and stuff. That's another factory in our town. And um, anyway, God is good. Uh, we've been so blessed there. And I'll just summarize it by saying this. And I'm, I was, uh, here I go. Sorry, Bear, I'm taking the weeping prophet role today. My wife and I were on the way here today and we were just talking about God's goodness because today at home, our son is preaching and our daughter's leading worship. I'm like, Wow. done nothing to deserve it, but I just thank God for his goodness and his grace. So there's an update of what our church is like and going on in Batesville. It's going well. We're so grateful for what God has done. They've embraced us just as you always have here, and, and uh, we're, we're truly blessed. And you know, over the last two, two years in particular, the church has been through a lot, right? But I stand here as one today that will say this, and I say this unequivocally, and I believe it with my whole heart that this has not just been trouble in our world, but this is preparation for the church. It's time for the church. It's time of preparation for battle because we're going through a spiritual spiritual battle. And I believe God is preparing us because the days are gonna get darker. The Bible tells us that. We shouldn't be surprised by that, but we don't have to walk in fear. We don't have to walk in doubt. We don't have to freak out. Because as we heard twice and beyond that this morning, we know God's in control, right? So my, my purpose in here today is to, is to agree with, with Pastor Rob and saying that we're a community, we're a unity. And today's theme is that we should be one. And so, uh, we're to be united in the body, right? Listen to this from Ephesians 4, uh, 1 through 6. And actually before I read that, let me, let me pray. God, Thank you so much for this day. This is the day you have made. We didn't have one hand in making today, but yet, God, we get the privilege of being a part of it. So, God, I pray that our praise will be to you. Our work will be to you, Lord, and just our hearts would be engaged in what you're doing for this hour, and I pray that you would give me the words to speak. I don't want to speak my words, but your words alone. I thank you for the privilege, in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter four says this. Therefore, I, this is being Paul, a prisoner for for serving the Lord. Think about that. A prisoner for serving the Lord. Beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. So this is how we should do it. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Listen to this making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, One baptism, one God and father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. If you are counting, seven times we read the word one in this text. So I think the message is clear about coming together. And it's not just us, but it's us being like Christ. Christ is one. And we need to do that, just like the Godhead. We must get along with each other. We must work hard at it. None of us is perfect. Well, I'm not. I know a lot of you are, but I'm not. I'm a work in progress. Or are we a work in progress? Yes, we are, aren't we? We have to make every effort to keep ourselves united. We got to give room for our faults. I mess things up all the time. But we can't quit. We can't give up. We need to be praying for unity among the body. Paul, as a prisoner in this text, is praying for the body. He's not, uh, you know, just stuck in his his position of where he's at in prison. He's spending his time in prison, getting the message out to the people. To say, hey, it isn't about where I'm at and what I'm doing right now. It's about Jesus Christ. And lead a life worthy of the calling. That's what I'm doing even though I'm in prison. The things that bind us. We heard it through prophecy today. We get things that bind us. But it shouldn't stop us from following the call that's on our lives. Amen? And what is that calling? It's to be, we're called and given the opportunity to be members of the body of Christ. Then that's what we need to lean into. Why? Why do we need to do this? So that the world will know. Let's, let's read this. Let's go to John chapter 17. Listen to this. He says, I am praying, and this is Jesus talking, not only for these disciples, these 12 guys that I've got, and the ones that were following him at the time, but also for all, all who will ever believe in me through their message. That includes you and me, right? We've believed the gospel message, right? Through the disciples and all that have followed between them and now today. So this is us he's talking about. And he prayed for us. I pray that they will all be, say it, one, just as you and I are. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us, here it is, so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be as we are. Yes, and I am in them and you are in me. May they experience, check this out, such perfect unity, here it is again, that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you love me even before the world began. The message is clear. We're to be one so that the world will know. So I got a couple of questions. Uh, What does the church look like to the world? What do we look like to the world? What do we look like on social media? Uh, Man, I see a lot of bickering on social media. And it's the church fighting. The problem with that is the world is watching. And they're seeing, man, they can't even get along. Why would I want to be a part of that? And I know we laugh about it, but I'm, I'm like, gosh, hey, maybe we should just... Look at the pictures of our friends and say, hey, that's good. Good to see you like that. And if we're going to talk about stuff, let's do it person to person. How about that? And let's talk. Let's have a conversation. Because I know we're not going to agree on every little thing, but we should be working toward it. Right. And a lot of times if we get hiding behind social media, we say things that we wouldn't say in person. And when someone messes up in the church, how do we treat them? What about if somebody doesn't support the same political party? Mm. Man, what if they're not the same race? We've allowed culture to dictate who we are in the church more than the Bible. Race, political status, economic status, educational backgrounds, etc. But I got news for you. Jesus doesn't ride on the back of elephants and donkeys. He's sitting on the throne of heaven and he's monarch of the kingdom of God. And how many know we are citizens of the kingdom of God first before we're citizens of the United States? We need to be about the kingdom of God first. It's existed a lot longer than than the United States of America. Last week, I was preaching a little bit about um, the United States of America. It was the 4th of July weekend and all. And we were talking about actually Dependence Day. You know, it took the 13 colonies to come together in order to declare independence. It had to be the United States of America that came together. It's got to be the same way in the church. We've got to come together. We've got to drop denominational walls and all these things. It's not that they're bad in and of themselves, but we've made it so much about theologies and things that we forget who we are as the kingdom first. We need to look at Jesus Christ rather than think we're special because we're followers of Christ. Maybe we should take the stance of humility and thanksgiving because Christ revealed himself to us and we've had the opportunity and the ability to respond and to receive what he's given to us. We're blessed, aren't we? Yes, we are. And we need to learn how to walk alongside people on their journey toward Christ. This has become my mission statement in life. I say it to my church all the time. We need to walk together with people on their journey toward Christ. Some of us maybe are a little bit farther along because of the relationships that we've been able to have for a lifelong relationship with Jesus Christ. I was practically born on the pew of the church, it feels like. I've been in this church for many, many years. But I ain't perfect. I've been jacked up, too. And people walked along me, alongside of me. A guy sitting in the front row named Murray Scott was one of them. Walked alongside me as a punk kid. Brought me along. A lot of people have. How much more should we be doing the same, even for the generation that's coming along? A lot of confusion in our world today, isn't there? So how do we do this? The example is this. We need to be imitators of Christ. Let me share a story with you about this, and then I'm going to try and be quick here. Luke 8, all right? Very familiar story if you've been in the in the church any length of time. It says this in, in Luke 8, 40 uh, through 50. It says, On the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. And as Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by crowds. And a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. And she could find no cure. Coming up beside Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. And immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, come on, man. Everybody's pressing into you. What are you talking about? Someone deliberately touched me. And I loved it in the New Living Translation. I love this word deliberately. Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. And when the woman realized that she could no longer stay hidden... She began to tremble and she fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. And check out the response. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And while he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and he told him, your daughter is dead. There's no, no use troubling the teacher now. But when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. She will be healed. And I'm going to stop right there. The rest of the story is, is the daughter was healed. But I want to go back to this woman for a second. Especially women in that day weren't treated very well. They were treated like second-class citizens. Anybody who was considered in this condition... Uh, with issue of blood would be considered unclean and was rejected. Likely they were rejected by uh, their family because they were a disgrace. Simply because she was a woman, she was already a second class citizen. So she was considered in society unclean and put away. She was likely in the temple put out because of her condition. All these things were stacked up against her. And I got to say, you know, the Bible's pretty serious about what it talks about, right? There's things in there intentionally. And it so happens that one of the temple leaders is right there. And I don't know because the scripture doesn't say. But I'm wondering if this is the very guy who rejected that woman. 12 years she dealt with that situation and 12 years old was his daughter. And here's this situation. He comes and he's pleading, come heal my daughter. So he starts to go in this whole situation with this woman happens and he turns around and he sees her. And I got to think when he addressed her, He must have went, daughter, your faith has made you well. Get down right there with her and looked her in the eye. Someone who had been rejected and disgraced 12 years looked her in the eye and said, daughter, your faith has made you well. But do you know who saw that? Jairus was standing right there. They were going together. They all had to stop and they turned around and he watched as Jesus knelt down. Why do you think he did that? He needed the temple leader to say, hey, I know what the laws have been. I know what it is, but hey, I need you to see people's heart before I need you to see their condition. So, hey, check this out, Jairus. This woman who had such great faith and needed some love and some care. I'm going to show you. Get down with him. Called her daughter. Not you woman who's disgraced. Not anything like that. He basically wrapped his arms around love around her and said, I see where you're at. I know the condition you're dealing with, but you know what I see? I see your heart. This has messed me up. It's caused me to evaluate my own life. I told you a little bit ago that in my life, I've been trying to apply this idea of, I want to walk with people On their journey toward Christ. In the church that I pastor right now. Man. I'll tell you. I actually have been blown away at the testimonies of people. And where they've come from. We have. Some people who have been through some serious trouble. Serious drugs. Abuse. Sexual abuse. From people that were uh, maybe uh, a stepdad or whatever else like that. And they feel like a piece of garbage because of what has happened to them in their physical life. But in their course of life, somebody knelt down with them, saw them and took them in uh, their hands. And I'll tell you, just a quick, quick story about one of the guys who's actually now a leader in our church that had, had been, um, well, I, I'm going to compare him to Steve Malik in, in this. He's been everywhere. He's done everything and has a story about it. You know, Steve's like the same way, right? Steve's always got a story and he's excited and he's, he's actually kind of spastic when he's talking to you about stuff. And he's like, he's here there and he's doing, you know, and he's moving around and he's excited and he's doing things and And man, but when you hear his testimony about where he's been, there was a Nazarene pastor in this little town of Indiana that kept going to him and said, basically, I see you. You ought to come to church sometime. And he's like, nah, that ain't for me, man. He was a drug addict. He was an alcoholic, abused as a kid, sexually abused. He was a fighter getting in fights all the time. He got into MMA and all that stuff because that's where he took out his aggression. And he went through a terrible situation where he was following his wife and they were on the outs at the time, but she was pregnant with their second child, slid through an intersection on some kind of some gravel and got T-boned. And as as a result, their, their second son was born early and he has cerebral palsy. I mean, the weight of that is awful. But that boy sits in our services all the time and he is the bright spot in our church. He's always like, best year, best shirt." He's calling me out because he's a big Purdue fan and a Steelers fan. So he's always like, how did Michigan do yesterday? I mean, because he knows I'm a big Wolverines fan or whatever. He's always talking to me like that. He's like. Sorry for sleeping in your messages and stuff like that. He's, he's, this is their son, Alex. He's an awesome guy. But on the scene of that accident, guess who the first person was? That Nazarene pastor. And he looked him in the eye and just helped him and loved him. And so eventually, Trevor said, I got to go. I got to go to that church. I've tried everything else, but it doesn't work. I'm going to try Jesus. He has a master's degree in theology now and goes around. He speaks. He he loves on people. He deals with physical issues because of his past. But God is using him in such a great way. And it's all because somebody didn't see his condition but saw his heart. There's an old song. It said he looked beyond my faults and he saw my needs. Church, this is what I want to say today. We got to be united and not just in here, but outside of here. We have to start looking at the heart of other people because that's how Christ did it, didn't he? The Pharisees beat him up about who he was eating dinner with. But there was a purpose. And it changed the lives of the people he was eating dinner with. He was so full of the Holy Spirit that everywhere he went, it it seemed to impact the people that needed to be touched. How about we be so full of the Holy Spirit that where we go, it affects the lives of people that we come in touch with. How many want to be like that? I do. And so this is what I want to do today as we, as we wrap up. I want to remember where we started today in this scripture. Always be humble, gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of our love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. And I think when we do that, I think it's going to look a whole lot like that guy sitting in the front row. But I got to say, this is where I feel like, I I didn't come here to preach this today because I'm bringing judgment on on this church or any other church. This is a cry of my heart. Church, we are facing some dark days. But I believe as we come together and we unify and we prepare our hearts, get our houses in order, our spiritual houses in order, it's preparation for those who I believe, as things get darker, are going to be running to the church, looking for help, looking for source. And you may say, yeah, I know where you are because I was there once too. But listen, let me walk alongside you on this journey toward Christ. But I think where it's going to begin with us is it's going to come to a place of repentance. And it's not just because we've been so bad and so wrong. It may even just be the things that, God, I didn't even realize I was being like that. But God, forgive me, cleanse me, wash me. I want to be pure. I want to be um, uh, a loving, a, uh, a caring person that looks past somebody's circumstance and sees the heart. How many you know the heart is where everything begins? That's what comes out. That's where everything flows from is the heart. And so today, I want to pray for us. I want to pray for us, Church on Fire, Bethesda, and all the churches around that are seeking to follow Jesus Christ, that we would come together as one in this world, in this kingdom of heaven, and not just the United States of America, but that we would be citizens of that first. And if you want to join me, I'm going to invite you to stand today and say, yeah, I want to bind my heart, my mind, and my soul together with you and others that we become one. How many think that's important today that we become one? So before we finish today, as they sing this, if you're with me, and I'm saying, I know the world that we live in. I'm going to invite you to come forward and join with me. But if you're uncomfortable with that, please by the fact that maybe you choose to stay in your seat, it's not a point of judgment that, oh, why aren't they coming up? Uh Uh-uh. It's still the heart, right? But man, if if this is your heart today, that you want to be one and reaching out and loving and caring, that our churches come together as one so that the world will know Jesus lives and Jesus saves, I want to invite you to join me here so that we can pray together, amen? Come on, worship team, sing, and let's come as they sing this morning. And as we're singing this, don't just sing it because
1: we're singing.
2: Thank you, Jesus.
1: But make it a declaration and a prayer of the words as we sing, I will build my life. Amen? Amen. Declare that with me this morning. Make it a statement. Come on. And I will build my life upon your love it is
0: The leadership team just to come here and join me because I, I want this, at least from my perspective, I want this to be a point of solidarity. I want this to be a point of unity. So we're one. We're one. And we need to be one as He is one. And so we join our hearts. We join our hands. I'm, I'm joining with my friends up here. From Indiana to Ohio to Michigan and throughout this country. I want the world to see that we are one. Amen. Standing in unity and solidarity for Jesus Christ in complete unity so that they will know because I think people love to be a part of a winning team. See it in sports all the time. They're trying to build these mega teams because they're going to win and people want to be a part of it. I think this is the best mega team around. Yeah. This is right. the kingdom of God, right? That's right. So I'm going to invite you just to lift your hands, your hearts, your voices with me. And let's just go to God in prayer and say, God, today we stand in solidarity and in one Lord for you and to you and in you and through you, Lord God, we ask that you would lead us by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, that the words that come forth from this pulpit, the words that go forth from church on fire pulpit and the pulpits around this country wouldn't it be about the pastor, wouldn't be about the name on the church, would only be about the name of Jesus Christ. Why? So that the world will know that you save, and that you love, and that you care, and that you heal, and that you see the hearts of man before you see the condition of man. God, you desire that all would be saved. And so God, I pray today, That the power of your Holy Spirit would be at work in us as individuals first. That we would get our spiritual houses in order. God, that we would stand in a place of forgiveness. Lord, that we would stand in a place of love and a place of honor to you first and foremost. God, if there's anything standing between you and us. God, I pray that you would bring it to the surface today so that we can confess. Lord, and that you can wash us and you can make us whole. But then, God, as we come together as one, God, that you would wash us, Lord, as the body of Christ. Lord, that as an arm, we can't say to the hand, we don't need you or vice versa. God, but that we need each other. Lord, and that we can look at the face of people just as you did in the face of that woman and call them son and daughter. I love you. And despite the physical circumstance. Lord, that our hearts would be healed today. And God, that we could come together in unity. No longer holding any aught against one another in any way. But God, that we would be imitators of you. Because you could have held something against every single one of us in this room. But instead, you chose to give your life for us. You went to a cross and you died on our behalf, God. And that's why we can stand here today. So God, yesterday's gone. Tomorrow's not promised. And as we stand here on this day that you have made, God, we open up ourselves and we ask the Lord that you would cleanse us and that you would wash us from all sin and all unrighteousness so that we can represent you in this world the way That you've asked us to. That we would get beyond our cultural differences. God, and we would live biblically. And I just say thank you. I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity. And I thank you for this house and what you're yet going to do. In Jesus' mighty and precious name. And I thank you for your love. In Jesus' name. And if you agree, say amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God praise today. Amen.
2: Yes, bless you, Pat. Let's take that word to heart today and be imitators of Jesus Christ, that we are seen by those outside as one in him, and that we would not be Christians who see others as undesirable or unclean, as this woman was seen as unclean for 12 years. The synagogue leader right there would have been the one. That's, that, that, that's just, I will not forget that. That was a great, great uh, point. That synagogue leader may have seen that woman as unclean for 12 years. Let's, not be, let's be people who look way beyond that and invite anyone in. They need what we have. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Thank you for the word today, Pastor Terry. We appreciate that. Now, let's celebrate not only being one, but being committed. Please, please, don't exit through the main doors. Go on over to the dining room. Give a minute here for Brother Murray Scott to make it to the dining room. I know you're all going to want to surround him, but don't, don't do that. Let him go, and then go there. And say, we bless you, and we're going to miss you, and uh, have a refreshment. And uh, Brother Terry will be in there. We'll be able to say hello to him, too. God bless you as you go, Lord. Add to, the, add to the prayer that we heard through Brother Terry your blessing. And bless us as we go. May it be received. May we live it. In Jesus' name, amen.